Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From the beautiful brick warehouse out in right field in Oriel Park in Camden Yards, this is the Mass and All Access podcast. Paul Mancano and Bobby Blanco joining me. One week, Bobby, left in the regular season for the Baltimore Orioles. Counting down the days, the Orioles are opening up a three-game series in Boston against the uh, Red Sox, the uh, at least champion Red Sox as of officially, and then come home to finish off the 2018 season with four games against the Astros. Tough stretch, but... Um, you know, it's there's still baseball to be played. You know, Orioles are still a popular team in this town. <laughs> Baltimore fans, even though with the NFL going on, still want to support their team and see what the future holds. There's a lot of young guys playing out there, and also some storylines possibly coming to a close in Baltimore, which we're going to touch on. So, yeah, reason to get out this weekend um, and come to the yard to watch the O's. Storylines that we will touch on on this podcast. We're going to talk about Adam Jones potentially playing his final homestand with the Orioles. Over the next week, we're going to talk about the reports about Buck Walter and Dan Duquette and their future with the Orioles organization. We're going to talk about who sticks out amongst the young guys, the rookies, the Steve Wilkerson's, DJ Stewart's and Renato Nunez's. All of that stuff we're going to cover in the Mass and All Access podcast. But, Bobby, we got to start with this. Did you see the rookie dress up that the Orioles had <laughs> on Sunday. I did. I saw, I saw, I believe it was Michael Givens posted a picture, uh, Adam Jones Instagrammed a picture of it. Um, that's just some clean old fashioned fun right there. Uh, I love it's, that's a playful fun way of hazing. You yes. know, it's like nothing too serious. Every team does it. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I like when I like when there's themes. Yes. Um, and I don't know if this one actually had a theme to it. Everyone's kind of dressed differently. You know, I was looking for that as well. I got kind of uh, somewhat of a farm theme in okay. some areas, but that was kind of negated by Cedric Mullins uh, riding a dinosaur. Uh-huh. Um, and also, looks like Tanner Scott maybe is an elf. So there were some, Maybe you a know, Jurassic Park farm. Yeah, we we saw Paul Fry as kind of a cowboy Woody. I think he just wanted to show off uh, his abs, basically, in sure, that one. Sure. Um, did, we saw an owl in the background, and I love owls, but that is a creepy owl. I don't know who's in that. I'm a big fan of the penguin suit. I love those penguin suits. Yeah. Whoever's in the shark uh, costume is great as well. Is that a shark? Yeah, I guess it is a hammerhead shark, huh? Yeah, and uh, I tweeted this also at Paul Mancano, the chicken is the creepiest chicken I think I've ever seen. Never again. The eyes of that chicken are going to give me nightmares. And you can tell whoever's wearing it knows that it was creepy. (laughs) Yep. Yes. I think that's Tanner Scott, I believe. Um, Paul Meisinger is a cow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know who the mime is, but wow, the face makeup on the mime. Very good job. Show, even though the Orioles are having an historically bad season, yep. they're still ball players. They still like to have fun. It's a good group of guys. Um, yeah, and all of the and many get of the, along. Yeah, and many of these rookies who are in the picture and others 
are guys that haven't been here for the whole Look season. Look how many there are in this picture. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, obviously they number. have a lot. September call-ups. Yeah. I think that's why they wait, most teams wait till September to do it because that's when most of the rookies come up. Right, exactly. And you get the, you get a bigger group. Um but yeah, I mean, this is a big. There's a lot of guys in this picture, and so a lot of yeah. guys not to only look at for uh, their their costume and their their dress ups, but also their their play coming and, up. Yeah, and a lot of these guys, I think it helps that they weren't here for the losing at the beginning when this team was expected to lose. They've been playing most of their seasons at Double A Bowie, at Triple A Norfolk, elsewhere, and they came up in September and you know weren't steeped in this losing team uh, before they got here. So that's good to see. Uh, we should talk about, though, Caleb Joseph. He spoke with Dan Connolly of The Athletic, who we've had on this podcast Correct. in the past, and made headlines with some of the things that he said, uh, particularly and most interesting also about the rookies getting a losing culture, something that he talked about, them becoming okay with it, and also talking about uh, the changes that need to be made to this organization. Uh, some quotes stuck out. I'll read a few of them. Uh, He said, I've never seen a sports team survive seasons like this without people losing their jobs, period. Players, you name it. It's a privilege to be here, but you don't lose a record number of games and not expect some retribution. Everybody, every single locker in here should be thinking, you know, I should be fired because I sucked, period, end quote. Again, from Dan Connolly in The Athletic. He said some pretty shocking stuff, and all on the record, this wasn't, um, unknown source within the Orioles organization, Caleb Joseph put his name next to these quotes. Yeah, uh, I mean, shocking nonetheless, but I think a couple of days before this story came out, he even had some harsh words uh, about his own play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's not excluding himself. Yeah. Caleb Joseph's not excluding himself. You know, he's not pushing the blame on anyone else. He's included, you yep. know. Obviously, he had that season where he didn't record an RBI, and, you know, he's play behind the plate has been suspect at times and offense isn't quite there. So he's not inc- excluding himself from when he's talking about this, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, at what, at, at, it's difficult because like at some point you want to say, you know, good for him. You know, he said, you know, someone needs to say this because yeah. obviously since 2012, late 2011, this team has been winning and, you know, they built a winning culture. Now that it's losing, and now you have to go through this rebuild process. Like he even said, what scares me about these youngsters mm-hmm. is that, and the team is full of youngsters, it's not okay. We can talk about it as much as we want and say it in a meeting that's not okay. It's not on winning teams. They replace people who want who want to win. So you can't come in here and accept losing. Um, but also on the flip side of the coin, it's like, well, it's season's almost over. It's mid-September. Where was this coming? <laughs> where was this in June, yep. May, you know, earlier in the season when – Things started to go south, yeah, and, and quickly. So, I mean, I, I get it. I it's it's obviously been a frustrating year. Yeah, everyone's frustrated about it. You know, from ownership all the way down through the fan base. It's just it was a historically bad season. So, I, I no surprise that something like this came out eventually. I think it's a good thing mm-hmm. that these guys do care. Yeah. Caleb does care. Um, but you know, it's also kind of like, all right, well, where was this attitude when you guys were losing in June, May? April. And it's clear that at 32 years old, he's trying to say a lot of the veterans have left this locker room at the trade deadline and afterwards, and I'm trying to step up and be a leader and convince these young guys to work hard and to stay positive even when they are losing. To me, it is just a little bit, and Caleb Joseph is a great guy. He's always been great to interact with and the interactions that we've had with him and, and Masson and such. 
he I'm glad he included himself because his play has not been great. It's been subpar, um, and it makes it difficult uh, when you have something like that. Um, you know, for those quotes to come from him, I think was a little bit curious. Well, that so I was. Let me touch on that right there. The yeah. top comment on this story is, uh, I won't name the person, but appreciate hearing this, but it shouldn't have taken this long. And yeah. with all due respect to Joseph, it probably should have come on from someone more prominent. Right. Dan Conley replied, he is the second longest tenure now on this <laughs> Orioles team. So yeah, true. He is the veteran. He is a leader at this, this point. Yeah. So, you know, he had to, to come me, from someone. I mean, he's right. only behind Adam Jones in terms of how long he's been here. So he is a leader in that clubhouse now. You know, I get it that his numbers right. don't back it up, but someone had to say it. Agreed. But when your numbers don't back it up and you're saying everybody needs to play better and everybody needs to say they sucked and you've been putting up poor numbers all season, are you kind of running yourself out of a job by what you're saying? I mean, you know, he yeah. to me, his job is not safe for next year. Um, the catcher, I think, is a, a position that has been sort of a black hole for the Orioles this season. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's like, why would you say everybody needs to do better when you yourself need to do better and you're a veteran on this team? A lot of these young guys at least have the excuse of being young, whereas you're 32 and you have not yet proven yourself as a, a st- steady major leaguer. Obviously, I haven't talked to Caleb Joseph about this, and mm-hmm. I don't think he's touched on it since this story came out. But you know, to me, it's I've won the frustration. Yeah. Obviously, he's a professional athlete. He's a competitor. Yeah. No one likes losing. Two, it's this is the only organization he's known. So he obviously cares about not only his teammates, but the fans, the yep. city, uh, the people in the front office. You know, he cares. He wants his team to do well. And I think he even touched on it in this article. He's like, you know, even if it's not me doing it, you know, if they get rid of me, I want this team to do well. Right. This culture can't be accepted. We need to, you know, it's historically bad. It's, it's frustrating. It's embarrassing. It needs to be fixed. These guys can't come in here and just be like, oh, 110 losses that's fine that's, yeah. that's normal no it's gotta be we have to turn it around somehow some right. way and i do appreciate him coming out and saying it though uh yeah. I, I do think that uh, would it have Bobby. would it be easier to take more stock in it if adam jones said it yes obviously yeah. he's been the captain of this team since he got here yep but uh, again second longest tenured t- player on the orioles now that all other guys have gone you know it's if someone's gonna say it you don't want a rookie saying it because right. it's like you just got here. Who who are you? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I I respect it. I appreciate it um, as both someone in the media. Also, you know, Paul, we cover these teams as a person in the media. You love hearing players be open and honest and right. speak their their mind. Yeah, you know, it's for a good quote. I hate the fact that you know people, fans particularly and readers like they trash players when they say like the cliche answers right but then they say stick to baseball when they give you honest answers it's like you can't have it both ways so i appreciate his honesty um and and you know and the fact that he didn't exclude himself and i'm glad you mentioned adam jones too because as tease we're going to talk about him and him potentially playing his final homestand with the orioles this upcoming weekend facing the astros for that three-game series as we all know, and we've touched on this whole year, Adam Jones is entering free agency. He, as reported by Rockabaco, our own and others, had a chance to go to another another team. Some reported the Phillies at the trade deadline. He exercised his right to stay in Baltimore and has been in and out of the lineup over the past 
few weeks, close to a month now. He was moved over to right field. Tonight he's playing his first ever game as an Oriole in left field Mm -hmm. with DJ Stewart and Cedric Mullins with him in the outfield. It seems at this point, and nothing is confirmed, the Orioles haven't said so, that Adam Jones has said he wants to be back and, and such, but it seems it's looking like this is the end of a 10-year run for Adam Jones. Yeah, I mean, and that's 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 tough to say. It's tough to kind of swallow, but this whole season's been a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. You know, it's it was tough to say goodbye to Manny Machado and then Jonathan Scope and Kevin yep. Gosman, all these guys that got traded away. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be said about Adam refusing a trade and and sticking with this team and with this city and um sticking with buck we're gonna talk we're gonna touch on buck's future in, in, a, in a moment here too yeah um you know he he wanted to see it out and he wanted to be here to set an example for these young players that were coming up in september and guys like dj stewart guys like cedric mullins you know um and i, I mean I, I think it's a short amount of time but these two months he's had with whoever's been up here and now this month of september with the call-ups I think is almost invaluable to these young players in the sense that, you know, this is a proven major leaguer, all-star, has played in the postseason, um, has been the captain of this team, knows this city, knows this team, uh, the front office, yada, yada, yada. Is a guy that they can look up to and talk to, learn from, because he obviously isn't going to be around forever or that much longer. So the time that Adam Jones is spending here, I don't think that can go overlooked. The fact that he's decided to stay and help mold whether he's a part of it or not. He helped mold and set up the future, however, however way this rebuild rebuild's going to go. And he went on Madison All Access recently with Sarah Perlman within the past week, right before the fan challenge, and talked a little bit about uh, not wanting to um, wanting to stay in Baltimore and vetoing that trade. Um, and to read a quote from that, uh, he was talking about, and it was. Clear. He made it clear it was for the to the Phillies, and he said it just wasn't right for me. I was playing center field at the time, and they wanted me to go to right field and platoon. That was the situation there, and it's understandable. That's how their roster was constructed, and that's National League ball, double switch, and that kind of stuff. It wasn't the right move for me, especially going into free agency. End quote. So you understand that from his uh, side of things to say, I didn't want to go immediately to right field and be in a platoon where, yes, I could have potentially made the playoffs, but also I would could be playing less games and therefore could be losing money in free agency. So it made sense that he wanted to stay. Uh, and like you said, Bobby, see this, this thing through. It just is a shame that at this point it appears the Orioles want to go in a different direction. They have DJ Stewart that they want to take a look at. Cedric Mullins obviously appears to be a fixture in center. Austin Hayes could be making getting a call up uh, recently. Actually, was technically called up today and then placed on the 60-day disabled list. But he could be playing in the outfield next to those guys. And, of course, use Neil Diaz. So it seems like they're just headed in different directions uh, at this point. And it's a shame that it, it has to end this way. Um, but at least he gets, the, you know, gets a final goodbye in front of the fans for the final home game of the season. And I'm sure they'll give him... Uh, quite the quite the standing O and round of applause. Standing, uh, I mean, they have to. I mean, this this guy I cannot be overstated how much he's meant to this organization. Um, you know, I grew up an Orioles fan, and all I've known is losing up until 2012. So the fact that he was the face of that quote unquote rebuild yeah. and and a re- resurgence into competitiveness and winning, um, he. 
he's beloved in this city. I mean, even for all the things he does off the field, we saw him take part in the fan challenge again this year. He mm-hmm. does that every year. He loves interacting with the fans who come in. Um, he obviously hosts his purple tailgate, picks a Ravens game every year yep. uh, for charity. Um, and that's also part of the reason why he vetoed that uh, trade. He wanted to stay in Baltimore. He, he said he had unfinished business to do in Baltimore, and yep. that extends off the field. He's got other charities. He's like, who's going to watch after yeah. my other charities and events I have going around around the city if I'm not here? So I got to respect it. Baltimore loves him. I think he's going to be – I mean, his name is plastered over the Orioles record books now. Yep. Um, I, I think he's going to be beloved for wherever he ends up for all time. I mean, wouldn't surprise you know he's going to be an Oriole Hall of Famer. Um, at some point, um, another interesting factor about not wanting to uh, maybe bring him back is, you know, the Orioles are oddly enough now have the most international signing bonus yeah, money yeah. and are a consider reportedly to consider the favorites to sign Victor Victor Mesa exactly out of uh, Cuba. So he's not another outfielder that they if they get though they're gonna pr- yeah probably put on the fast track to get up to the majors as soon as possible because apparently this guy is a star and yeah. he's a stud and he, he you know he's kind of along those lines of uh you know look down in dc at victor robles uh, a juan soto kind of type where he could be in the majors in a couple years so yeah uh unfortunately adam's probably not in the plans for the orioles but i mean still what a hell of a run hell of a run for him in, in this city and this team absolutely and that certainly gives you a reason to go to the final home series of the season, uh, oh, whether yeah. it's Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Yeah, and hopefully this weather clears up. It's kind of gross out now. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> yeah. Starting, it's starting to feel like fall. Yep. But I mean, if you know, we've seen some bad attendances. I mean, obviously school starting, yep. the NFL, yada yada. The yada, rain, the, the has rain, been the weather's been trifling. Um, Sunday hopefully is is a is a good crowd. If yeah. not to say, if not just because it's the last game of the season, but yeah, to uh, probably say goodbye to Adam. And maybe Yussel Buck. Yep. And uh, be sure to hopefully give your your final applause and your standing out to, to Adam Jones. Get a seat in the outfield maybe so that you can uh, watch him play outfield. Potentially. 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 For the last time hey, if, I mean, if it was up to me, I would say Adam has gone on record too saying that he's, we'd be interested in coming back. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, for less money too. Yeah. So, hey, if they can work something out, that's, that's probably ideal. My yep. opinion. Let's commit to this rebuild and move on. You teased Buck as well, potentially being out the door. We've heard a couple national reporters, nothing from local in terms of this, but we've heard from John Heyman of FanCredSportsAnd.com, and we've also heard of Bob Nightingale from USA Today. Nightingale started it out uh, September 21st, this is about a, a few days ago, tweeting that um, – Buck Showalter, quote, is also uh, expected to be dismissed by the Baltimore Orioles at the season's conclusion. Orioles GM Dan Duquette, who got rave reviews for his deadline deals, is expected to receive extension. We know Dan Duquette, GM, is entering, is in the final year of his contract as well, so is Buck. Uh, And then John Heyman uh, agreeing with that report and saying uh, there is no evidence that either Dan Duquette or manager Buck Showalter has been told their fate. But word around the game is Showalter is very likely to be replaced while the Duquette call could go either way. So, we don't know yet. We're going to find out in about a week, potentially, as to the fate of these two guys. Uh, For Buck, it would certainly be similar to Adam Jones in that here a long time, helped the Orioles get back into contention and was here when the Orioles were uh, a playoff team for the first time in over a decade. And... 
it would be kind of a sad way to go out with this this season ending the way that it has. Yeah, I don't want to discredit those uh, two reporters, but I mean, it's you know, this is coming off the heels of the Rangers firing Jeff Bannister last week, mm-hmm. um, and of course, it's always easy to say. Oh, they're the worst team in baseball. They've had a historically bad season. Obviously, everyone's going to get fired. The manager's going to lose his job, or they're not going to bring him back. Same with the GM, blah, 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 blah. Um, I would like to think that since Baltimore is such a small market compared to like the New Yorks, the DCs, the LAs, Chicago's, like, I would like to think that the local guys are um, Rocco Dan Connolly, Eddie Encinia. Uh, they all have a better tab on the team than the national people do. I'm not saying that they're not. In- in in uh, in the know, but I think the local guys probably have a better idea. And since they haven't reported it just yet, it's take a little, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, you know, it they are the worst team in baseball. Team Caleb Joseph, we mentioned earlier, he's right. You know, most teams don't survive this. Most you know managers and GMs don't survive a season like this. So it is kind of tough, especially considering the fact that you know Buck Showalter and Adam Jones have provided this city with the best baseball memories outside of Cal Ripken in the last 25 years plus. Yeah. So, I mean, it is kind of sad to see that the way, not only that's coming to a close, but the way it's coming to a close with a season like this. Um, It's kind of a double-edged sword for me in that, you know, Paul, you had a great piece on Mass and All Access at Paul Mancano at Mass and Orioles about Buck's previous jobs doing rebuilds. He did it in, he did it in New York. He did it in Arizona. You could even say he kind of did it here in 2011, 2012. Um, so if you're going to go through a rebuild, why wouldn't you want Buck Showalter overseeing it? I mean, he knows this organization top to bottom yeah. over the past couple of years. You know, he knows these players. He's proven that he's a winning manager. You know, it just didn't work out this season. Why wouldn't you want to try to him to oversee it if he wants to? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of tough. But then again, 110 plus losses, that's that's kind of hard to justify bringing a manager back for that, even though it's not entirely his fault. And I think with both Dan Duquette and Buck Walter being on the final years of their deals, I think the writing was pretty much on the wall that at least one of them, I think, I would be shocked if at least one of them wasn't um, on, you know, done with the Orioles after right. this season. Yeah. And the, the, the part of the report that says, I guess, you know, quoting here, but uh, paraphrasing, that Dan Duquette is more likely to come back than right. Buck mm-hmm. because he got r- rave reviews from the trades. Right. Well, of course he did. He They had no other choice yeah. but to sell the team off. Like I mean, right. that's, that's the easy part in yeah. this whole thing. The hard part is Buck's job, which is managing these players and getting them in a position to win. That's, that's the point. hard part. So of course he got great reviews for the trades. He had, I mean, he, that's what he had to yeah. do. There's no other, there's no other way to go about it. That's a good point, and I, I agree with you. It's I think it's much easier to bring the talent in than it is to develop the talent because I think that's that is the hard part. Yes, you have all these names and and prospects that came in the door. Fifteen new players coming in the door, and Yosniel Diaz, and mm-hmm. Dylan Tate, and Ryland Bannon, and all these guys, but. It's development that makes these guys into major league players and to solid major league players. So they might be solid prospects now, but for them to make that step, that takes tough, uh, tough development. Right. And so, like, hey, great job for Dan Duquette to go get these guys. That's yeah. parts over. Now, 
you know, obviously they were uh, scouted correctly. They, you know, there's talent there. Now the hard part is getting them up to be consistent, proven major leaguers. Yeah. And Dan, do, I mean, no offense, but that's not his job. He has no hand in that. That yeah. falls on the buck and his coaching staff and all the way down to Aberdeen, you know, all, yeah. all those coaches. So, um, yeah, I mean, the hard part's not really in Dan Duquette's hand. So, of course, he got good reviews yeah. for the trades. And, I mean... I mean, I'm, I mean, I I think Buck, me personally, I think Buck, if he wants to come back, should be brought back because right. I, I I don't know who else. What are you gonna do? Go out there, get a, a young rookie manager to yeah. manage a rebuild? I mean, that's has that ever worked out? I don't <laughs> I I don't know. Like that's asking an awful lot for a guy with no manager managing experience. Who else you can go out and get to oversee this? That's better than Buck Showalter. And Buck is the second longest tenure manager. Um, or second most experience of any manager in the big leagues, 19 seasons, only one with more experience than him is Bruce Bochy with 20. But we've seen the recent trend with a lot of teams going with inexperienced new guys. Last year, the the Red Sox, Yankees, Nationals, Mets, all of those teams, Phillies, uh, Phillies, all those teams hired guys who had no managerial experience. The most experience they had was pitching coach bullpen coach hitting coach bench coach bench coach on these teams so uh, it's the new trend guys young managers who are more uh, potentially listen more to analytics and what do all those teams have in common though paul they're all losing well except for the red sox and yankees (laughs) No, no i would say the opposite they're all have established major leaguers and winning right all those teams were yeah. in contention at least up until recently none of them are a true rebuild yeah right i will and say so that. you know they were all all these young managers were handed quality teams yeah if you're bringing a new whatever manager is going to come next year whether it's buck or someone mm-hmm. else it's not going to be a quality team that's just the yeah. fact um yeah and, that's a good point and so what you want to really give that to a young manager like that's asking an awful yeah. lot and to me a recipe for disaster yeah if Buck wants to oversee this rebuild and he's like, hey, I'll stick through this. We started this together. Let's finish it. Kind of a Harry Potter, Voldemort type thing. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm into Harry Potter right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, let him do it. He's proven that he can do it yeah. before and he knows this team better than anyone. Yeah. He does. Or this whole organization, you know, from all through the minor leagues. And that is a good point you bring up about all those teams at least had a few, even the Mets had a few veterans on that team. In terms of Jose Reyes, Degrom, and Syndergaard, and those guys, good established major league. They players. started the season with Azdrubal Cabrera. Yeah, exactly. So there were plenty of guys on that team, uh, and with you know obviously the Nationals and the Phillies had just signed two uh, big time free agents that were veterans. So the Orioles might do that in the off season, but it seems like they are right now committed to youth. And for a rookie manager to oversee that would be difficult. But that's what we could be talking about potentially within the coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens It'll, after I the mean, season. along with the postseason, I mean, Baltimore is a baseball town, so I know people are going to watch them play off baseball, especially with a possible uh, Yankees-Red Sox first-round matchup. Yeah. Um, but along with that, I think the Orioles' managing position is probably one of the more interesting storylines yeah. across baseball. Yep. Uh, playoffs should be interesting too, as well. Uh, a lot of exciting. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. along with the playoffs, the manager. No, yeah, the manager. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm now thinking about it and getting excited. Uh, I think. I think the AL is way more exciting than the NL. Uh, well, the quality of team certainly is much higher. I think. Yeah. The NL teams, the best team in the NL is what the Cubs. The Cubs. Uh, maybe the 
Braves potentially, but yeah. they're still young. Yeah, you don't know. The, I mean, uh, right now, up until October, right now, the most interesting is the NL Wild Card slash West yeah. race. Yeah, because it's it's the Dodgers, Diamondbacks, no, not Dodgers, Rockies, Cardinals, and Brewers. Yeah, fighting for three spots. Yeah, and one of them is a division title. So that's interesting right now. Once October hits, I, I'm I'm all in on yeah. the AL. I think that's gonna be interesting, especially if the Yankees win the wild card game. The Yankees and the A's in that wild card game will be. And very then you get exciting. Indians yeah. and Astros. <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, those are those are. Four, I mean, those are the four best teams in the American yeah. League. That'd be just so much fun to those, watch. Those could be the four best teams in baseball. Right. Period. Right, yeah. Yankees, Red Sox, Indians, and Astros. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise me if the World Series winner comes out of the AL. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So that'll be something to watch. Also, let's touch on this very briefly before we get out of here. We have seen a whole lot of young guys come through this team. We touched on the rookies dressing up earlier. Of the guys that you've seen, I will discount Cedric Mullins because I think to most of us, he has been very impressive, and he has had, of course, his share of lumps, but that is to be expected. So I think he has been perhaps the most impressive rookie on this team. Besides Cedric Mullins, who sticks out at you? You have DJ Stewart, you have Renato Nunez, who is not so much a rookie, but a rookie with the Orioles and still 24, still 24 years old. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Steve Wilkerson, who's 26, but you know, cutting his, his teeth in the uh, major leagues for pretty much the first time. Anybody stick out to you as somebody who has impressed you? I'm gonna go. It's it's. I think he's got the least amount of games. I'm gonna go DJ Stewart. I okay. remember. I remember when he was drafted, um, and you know, the past couple of years in the minors has been kind of a struggle for him. You know, he yep. went through changing his batting stance. Um, people were wondering how come he's not ready yet. How come he's not making the jump yet? He was. A, he's a. He's a high draft pick, uh, and in limited action, he's he's done well. And uh, I. I uh, Rick Dempsey the other day on Ozextra was talking about how I think it was the day uh, they beat um, who they just played this past week they won two to one oh the Blue Jays yep and um, uh, DJ Stewart hit a home run his second home run in that game or no it might have been at first anyways uh, Rick Dempsey was raving about his swing I'm like this guy has a great swing now it's long it's powerful I mean and he also crushed a ball this past weekend at Yankee Stadium I mean I think it was Friday night he just yep. demolished it. Um, and obviously, Yankee stayed in right field for left-handed batter. It's not that hard, but he, I mean, he he got a good hack on it. Um, uh, I, I've been impressed with his swing. I've also been impressed. You know, he came in. One of the first things he said in his interviews when he got called up was like, "Hey, I'm a better defensive player than I, people give me credit for." Yep. And I think he's held his own. We'll see him. I think there's a reason Adam Jones is in left field tonight. You know, the, Buck's like, you know, Adam, you take the green monster. Don't let the rookie. Yeah. Don't don't <laughs> yeah. make the rookie have to play off that. That's a good point. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I, I think he's shown, shown flashes of being a slightly better defender than um, he's been scouted as. And, and the bat speed and power are there. Yeah. So if he can keep growing, he, he could be a fun player to watch. And it's deceptive because he's a bigger dude. He's still only 5'8", so he's 5'8". Yeah, eight he's two. sneaky athletic. I mean, yeah. he is a bit – I mean, let's see. I guys right here. He's uh, he's six foot two thirty, so yeah. short and stocky Yeah, for considering for a Major League Baseball player. But I mean, fast. We've seen him on the base paths. He, yep. He's got he's got athleticism, and he so um, it, he's only gonna get better. Uh, I think obviously get some get a full off season of major league training um, and, and conditioning, and we could see him becoming a stronger and faster uh, DJ Stewart. Already has a stolen base to his name. Built like a fullback, as Rockabaco says, but sneaky athletic. I do agree with you. Would yep. be nice to see him have a final good final week of the season. To me, this is a little bit cheating because he's been a he's a rookie this season, but he's been playing pretty much the whole year. David Hess, 
I think has been the most uh, impressive for me. 5.14 ERA doesn't jump out to you, but he has faced some tough teams, the Red Sox a few times, the Yankees a few times, and he has stood his ground. He's had some very solid performances, and he's strung together several good months. Uh, It's just a matter of getting consistent for David Hess. I think he has the ability to stick in this rotation long term, and then in terms of a hitter, Obviously, we said we're not including Cedric Mullins, um, so I'm going to go with uh, Renato Nunez, who is hitting just over 260, and his defense has certainly been impressive as well. Not hailed as a great defender coming up. He's just 24 years old, but he's made some very nice plays over at third base. Good to see as well. I don't know if he's the answer long-term at third base, but if they can develop him at least into a utility guy, that would be nice as well. Right, and you, you we did say we're not going to touch on Cedric uh, Mullins, but um, this is kind of like an honorary mention type thing <laughs> because, um, Paul, we, I think you and Sarah Perlman talked about it on uh, Mass and All Access a week or two ago. He's, his batting average had dropped down to like 240. Yeah. But over his last nine games, he's hitting 342. So it's kind of like, all right, how does this young player face adversity? Yep. You know, how does he respond when he struggles for the first time? I mean, obviously he's only been up here since um, beginning of mid-August. But, you know, the first time you kind of struggle, hit a slump, how do you respond to that? His defense hasn't slipped up. He's, uh, he's taking his walks. Uh, he's looking strong on the plate still, and he's keeping a good head on his shoulder and putting together. We saw him put some bad at-bats, and he's kind of responded while putting together more solid at-bats now, and, and I think it's showing. He's going to ho- hopefully finish the season on a high note. Who has impressed you over the last month or so of the season? Which rookies stand out? And what do you want to see in the last week of the season? as the Orioles conclude their 2018 campaign. Paul Mancano and Bobby Blanco wrapping up the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby can be found on Twitter. At Bobby underscore Blanco. Paul can be found at? Paul Mancano on Twitter. M-A-N-C-A-N-O is my last name. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco. We are the producers of Mass and All Access. We will be back after the season is over. It's been a blast. First season of Mass and All Access. Be sure to... Follow us on social media, rate, subscribe, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Finally got all three right without hesitating. There you go, Paul. Took all season, but I did it. Thanks so much for listening all season long, and we'll be back around playoff time.